0: If you have your Bibles tonight, we're going back to lesson number nine. Lesson number nine, good can come from bad. And two weeks ago, we started this and we only got through the introduction. Do you remember what is the main character of this lesson, good can come from bad? Obviously, you know, God is the main character of everything. But uh, humanly speaking, do you remember what Bible character uh, where we're, we're going to look at with good can come from bad? I heard it, I think. Joseph, yes, Joseph. Of course, this is uh, Joseph in the Old Testament. And uh, so let's start in uh, Genesis 45. Genesis 45. So the notes are the same that you were given two weeks ago. I'm sorry, I had some more to bring tonight, but they didn't make it, so... We're going to get right into the outline. Good can come from bad. Genesis chapter 45 and verse number 5, where we read, Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves. This is Joseph speaking to his brothers after he has revealed himself to them. He is now second in command in Egypt. His brothers have come to Egypt to get bread, to get grain, to get food, because there's a famine all over. Their father, Jacob, has sent them there, and um, a couple of different times we won't have time to go through all of that, but finally, Jacob or finally Joseph has said, "Hey, it's me, Joe, you know it's me, Joseph." And I mean, you know, we read about it, and you've probably read about it as well. I mean, uh, I don't remember how many years had gone by since they threw him in the pit, but several years obviously had gone by, and so. He says here to them in verse 5, for God did send me before you, Genesis 45, 5, for God did send me before you to what? Preserve life. I mean, Joseph had been through so much, and yet he says, it was good. God had a plan. God had a purpose in this. And so we're going to look at three priorities from Joseph's life that kept him faithful in a difficult time or a hard time. So maybe you're in one right now, uh, a difficult time. Uh, maybe there's you're just coming out of one, or maybe there's one coming. That sounds real encouraging, doesn't it? Uh, but how can we learn from Joseph uh, to um, keep be faithful? Number one, number one, doing the will of God. So the little blank there, if you have the notes, is the word will. Doing the will of God. From reading about Joseph and studying the life of Joseph, I can can summarize it this way. Joseph's goal and priority was not comfort. Joseph's priority, Joseph's goal, was doing the will of God. You know, doing the will of God doesn't always mean that it's going to be comfortable. Doing the will of God doesn't mean that it's always going to be easy. It could be challenging. Uh, It could be uh, just things that you would have never imagined, but praise the Lord, He's with us and He's faithful. But that's the focus, though. The focus isn't throwing in a pit. The focus isn't being a slave for Potiphar. The focus isn't um, going to prison But the focus was doing the will of God in all of those situations. And so wherever you are in your life tonight, whatever age you're at tonight, whatever challenge might be in your in your way or in your path, or some things are about to some new horizons are coming, different that you're gonna be moving, you're gonna be changing a job or whatever it may be. And I'm not saying you're gonna be changing about, but the point is let's not get focused on the difficulty but let's stay focused on what is the will of God. And I think that's what Joseph did each and every time something challenging came his way. Letter A, letter A, God's will sends you to the right place. To the right place. God's will doesn't always work the way we think it should. God's will sometimes takes me to an unexpected place where he will work an unexpected deliverance. That happened to Joseph multiple times. Look at uh, chapter 39. If you have your Bible open there. Let's go back to uh, Genesis 39. The will of God sends you to the right place. Now, we have to understand, and I think we do, that it may not be the right place to us. This is not the right place, Pastor. You can't, there is no way. But in Joseph's life, if there's anybody that could have said, hey, let me me show you my my resume. But it was always the right place. No matter where he was, it was always the right place. Look at Genesis 39, verse 20. And Joseph's master took him and put him into into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in prison. This was the right place, though. Because it was this prison that would be a stepping stone to eventually go to the palace. So this was the right place. Genesis 41, 14. Forty-one, fourteen. 14, then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon and he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. See, so had he not been in the prison and been able to interpret those dreams, he would not have gotten to the palace to have been with Pharaoh. And so God's will always takes us to the right place. It reminds me of another dynamic duo, if you will, in the New Testament by the name of Paul and Silas. They were in prison as well in Acts chapter 16. If you remember, they were there. They had been thrown in prison because they were speaking about Jesus Christ. Boy, should not we be very thankful we live in a country where we can still speak about Jesus Christ? We should take advantage of every opportunity we get to speak the name of Jesus Christ. Do it compassionately. Do it boldly. Well, they got thrown into prison in Acts chapter 16. They were beat up pretty good. They were... They were whipped with uh, uh, whips, and uh, they they were in bad shape. The Bible says there in verses 23 through 25, And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Here's the response to, to this. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed, and sang praises to God. And the prisoners heard them. It was probably the last thing the prisoners expected to hear from the preachers. Was praising God and singing. After they had been whipped to the, to the edge of life. And yet that's what happened. And that was the right place. Because eventually God would... Has a good purpose. It has a good purpose. There's no way Joseph knew the specific purpose for being in prison when he was in prison. Faithful, not knowing or understanding the purpose of it. This is an interesting concept from this story. Let's turn back to Genesis chapter 40. And I I want us to think about a specific phrase in verse 6 of Genesis forty that stands out as we think about this story, that God's will has a good purpose. Again, you might say tonight, I I believe I'm in the will of God, but this this part of God's will for me, it doesn't seem very good right now. That's where trust and faith comes in. That God knows what he's doing. And God does know what he's doing. He knows what he's doing in this whole world. He knows what he's doing in your life and mine. I love what we see here, though, in verse number, we'll start in verse 5 of Genesis 40. And this really, this really spoke to me. And they dreamed a dream, both of them. This is the butler and the baker. Each man according to the interpretation of his dream. The butler and the baker of the king of Egypt were, which were bound in the prison. Notice verse 6. And Joseph came in unto them in the morning. And notice this next statement. I found this to be a very interesting statement. Sometimes we miss things like this. I must admit that I had missed it. And looked upon them. And looked upon them. Here's Joseph. He's in prison because he was wrongly accused by Potiphar's wife. So really, he, he did not deserve to be in prison. And yet, while he's in prison, instead of having his head down, you know, poochie lip disease, and woe is me, for I should not be here, Joseph's eyes looked on these other two, and notice what the Bible says, and behold, they were sad. This simple act of kindness. Really, there's, this is an act of kindness in Joseph's life. The last thing he probably was wanting to do was, you know, all of us. But then he's looking at somebody else. He could have been all wrapped up in Joseph. And yet he looks at someone else and he recognizes that they're sad. And notice what he does. He engages in conversation with them. Do You know what I probably would have done? I probably would have looked at them, noticed they were sad and said well they're sad and just kept right on walking because i don't deserve to be here i can't believe god has me here wow 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 but joseph was a little more grown up than me and joseph starts talking to them what a testimony i never really saw that before read this story so many times And he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? How come you're so sad? I mean, wow. Talk about a mature man. Talk about someone who's humble. He doesn't deserve to be there. And yet he says, I'm going to take time to find out why they look sad. Why are they frowning? How can I be a blessing to them? Man, that just really was amazing to me. This simple act of kindness would later bring Joseph before the Pharaoh of Egypt. All because he didn't just keep walking by someone in need when he was in probably the most difficult time of his life. You know how easy it is to get stuck in my, in my difficulties? And it doesn't matter who I walk past. It doesn't matter if they're, you know, I don't know, dying or something. I could just walk right past them and because, you know, I have a difficulty. Maybe, maybe you've been that way before where your difficulty is the only thing you can see. And here's Joseph, and he says, I'm not going to let my difficulty dominate me. God has me here for a purpose. God has me here. I don't even know exactly fully why. But while I'm here, I might as well be kind to someone. And he speaks to them about their need. Wow. He he remains faithful. Why has God put you where God has put you tonight? Why has God brought you to this place in your life? You may not know the exact purpose, but... It is our duty to remain faithful to him in whatever place he has us because there will come a time when there will be a revelation. The song says we'll understand it better by and by. Sometimes it might not be till heaven and I have to be okay with that. That I may not understand it completely until I'm in the presence of of my Savior. And I need to be okay with that. Just in recent days, I think of people that we know and love that have said goodbye to family. some suddenly, some in just very traumatic ways. I think of the Trail family. Let's not forget to pray, pray for, the, for the Trail family. I still won't say a lot because we're online right now, and there's still things that are ongoing in that, actually. Let's not stop praying for Jocelyn and the three girls and Steven Jr and i thought of the vest family somebody that i went to college with and chad and his i believe eight children died of cancer he's with the lord now and then our own and our own rita nelson you know finding out she had stage four cancer and literally was with the lord in just a short period of time and yet i had i don't know if you had the chance to watch the memorial service if you haven't yet i would take an hour and do that. It was very uplifting and very much honoring to the Lord. An unexpected trial, an unexpected difficulty. And, you know, I don't think Brother Bernie's going to know the purpose. He may never know the exact purpose for that. You know, Mrs. Vest may never know the exact purpose for that. Mrs. Trail may never know the exact purpose for that. But they can still be faithful in the midst of this season of great and heavy trial. Well, Paul and Silas, as I said earlier, they discovered the purpose of why they were in prison. If they had not been at the right place, they would have missed God's purpose, Acts sixteen twenty-five to 31. We won't turn there and look at it, but uh, I'll just give you the quick, most of you know a little bit about it, but they're in there. Remember, they were singing and praising God at midnight, and all of a sudden, all the bars opened, and all the prisoners could have left, and the jailer in that day was responsible for those prisoners to the point that if any of them had escaped, it would, he would have to die for that. And all of them stayed behind. Prisoners stayed behind. Can you imagine that? And Paul cried with a loud voice in verse 28, do thyself no harm for we are, we are all here. And the famous verse, uh, verse 30, the jailer goes to Paul and Silas and he says, what must I do to be saved? How did he come to that question? He came to that question because he had just beat them to almost their death. If anybody shouldn't have been singing and praising God, it shouldn't have been them. You know, they should have been talking to one another and saying, this is not what we signed up for when we said we were going to serve the Lord. I mean, we signed up for you know, the best chariot in town, and we signed up for the best sandals money could buy, and we signed up for the best robe money could buy. We didn't sign up for this. But that's not what they did. They praised God. You know what? That made an impact. That made an impact on that jailer. How in the world... Can you sing and praise God after what you just went through? How come you didn't leave this and it spoke to them? Why? Because they were in the right place at the right time and because God had a purpose for it. As much as it's easy to say, and I'm not saying it's easy to live, I want to be in the place and for the purpose God wants me to be there. That's what I want to be. I'm not saying that'll ever be easy. It might be at a very difficult time. And I don't recognize what this purpose is all about, but good can come from bad. Good can come from bad. Okay, doing the will of God. We must must hasten. Number two. So we're looking at three priorities that kept Joseph faithful. Number one, doing the will of God. Number two, nurturing your walk with God. Nurturing your walk with God. We nurture our walk with the Lord by spending time with him. This is not really talking about coming to church, although it's good to come to church. But we nurture our walk with God by spending time with Him, praying, by spending time reading His Word, by spending time meditating on His Word, by obeying what His Word tells us to do, that we would be doers of it and not just readers of it. By seeking His guidance throughout the day, these are all ways that our walk with God is nurtured and grows. Letter A, walking with God keeps you from physical sin. Physical sin. Joseph had an opportunity to get away with a sin. Or at least in the eyes of mankind, he had an opportunity to get away with something. We know, the Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. We also learned in RU on Friday night, which just goes along with it, that sin is pleasurable. Sin does bring pleasure. But it only brings pleasure for a season. And it's not a very long one. Look at Genesis 39, please. Walking with God keeps you from physical sin. Again, Joseph had a chance. Joseph was tempted by Potiphar's wife, verse 7. And it came to pass, 39, 7. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and she said, lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, behold, verse 8, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house. He hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in his house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against who? God. Notice he didn't say, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against your husband? Because it was a greater sin. The sin wasn't just against her husband, although it would have been. In actuality, a sin against him, a sin against her. But ultimately, he goes right to the top and he says, I can't do this. How can I do this and sin against God? Instead of saying, you know what, I deserve a little pleasure for what all I've been through, Joseph said, no. No, I can't do this. Because even though Mr. Potiphar was gone, and even though nobody else was there, Joseph knew who was there. He knew God was there. He knew the one who had taken care of him up until this point was there, and he refused Second Timothy 2.22 says, Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. When we are walking with the Lord, His Spirit will help us flee sin. When we are walking, you know, if this book is only opened on Sundays, it's going to be very difficult to flee temptation on Tuesday or Thursday or even Monday. No, we've got to have this book open, meditating, reading it. Why? Because a walk with God will help you, will help me when temptation comes that we don't even sit around and think about it. You know what? If you sit around and think about it, guess what's going to happen? More than likely, you're going to do it. We don't want to get to that place where we start thinking about the temptation. We want to cast down imaginations and every high, high thing that has exalted itself against the name of, name of Christ. We want to say, no, I'm fleeing this. I'm getting away from this. We want to start quoting scripture and get that thought, whatever it is, or get whatever it is out of our mind. Because when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, right? And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So let's not get to death. Let's not let lust conceive. Let's cast it down. How do we do that? We do that by our walk with God. That's how Joseph did it. Our walk with God keeps us from physical sin. Letter be. our walk with God keeps us from emotional sin. Joseph's walk with the Lord. Please listen attentively. You have been already, so keep it up. Praise the Lord. Joseph's walk with the Lord kept him from bitterly holding on to the hurts of the past. If anybody could have just sat around and thought about it, it was him. He had so many hurts. So many hurts. And yet his walk with God kept him not only from physical sins, but emotional sins. You know, this thing of bitterness, and I know it seems like maybe we mention it occasionally in this series, but that's just the way the Lord has worked it out. But as we think about bitterness, bitterness causes heartache. It causes a present heartache and it causes a future heartache. Bitterness also disrupts and bitterness also destroys. God's grace kept Joseph from dwelling in a very painful past. You know what? If we could somehow bow our heads and close our eyes and say, how many of us have something in our past that's painful? I don't know if every hand would go up but I think we'd have a lot of hands go up. That doesn't mean it wasn't painful. Joseph would say tonight, you know, yes, I, I, I learned how to walk with the Lord, and the Lord was with Joseph. Remember that over and over again. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. I'm not, I, I don't believe Joseph would say it wasn't painful. I believe he would say that it's painful. But I, would, I believe he would say, as we've learned, that the Lord was with we have a we have a choice to make as i walk with god you know what god's going to do god's going to relieve me and god's going to deliver me of the bitterness of thinking and dwelling on a painful thing in my past it doesn't mean that it wasn't painful but there's no point it might have been t- i'm not trying to be unkind it might have been 25 years ago why would we want to dwell on something that happened 25 years ago and it ruin every day of our life now i don't think that's what god has in mind the devil is really just he's just doing this and he's just he's smiling if you could think of it that way that 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 somehow the pain of the past is still a pain of your present in my present again i'm not saying that it just means it wasn't painful i'm saying god doesn't want us to live in that pain and a walk with God will help us to be able to get over the bitterness. And you know what happens? Bitterness, it gets way beyond what even happened to us. It goes way beyond the painful past, and it, and it, it stays in us, and it lives in us, and then it's kind of like a, a poison that we've been drinking. I remember hearing this in a sermon one time, that basically bitterness is a poison that we drink, and hope it hurts the person that hurt us. Did you hear the, 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 the uh, foolishness in that? But it's so true. I'm going to drink this poison. I hope it hurts you. No, it hurts me. Joseph's walk with God kept him from emotional sin. Joseph, uh, how about this? Look at Genesis 41. I love this thought. Look at Genesis 41. Joseph has a son, his first son. His name is, who knows? Manasseh. Joseph has a son. His name is Manasseh. Look at verse 51 of of Genesis 41, verse 51. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. Notice why. For God, said he, hath made me, and what's the next word? Forget all my toil. Do you see it? God hath made me forget all my toil. And all my father's house. I'm not dwelling on getting thrown in the pit. and My brother's sitting up there eating a sandwich while I'm sitting in the bottom of the pit. Getting sold to the Ishmaelites, and going down and doing all that. No. God hath made me forget. That's why he named him Manasseh. What, a, what an interesting revelation of what God had done in his life by the name of his own son. The hurt of rejection, hate, mistreatment can bind us to bitterness and rob us of the joy of the present. Joseph attributed the relief from his past hurts to God. He took his sorrows to God. God gave him the power to forgive. Bitterness always equals bondage. Forgiveness always equals freedom. Never forget that. Bitterness always equals bondage. Forgiveness always equals freedom. Who do you need to forgive tonight? Think about how much God has forgiven you. Think about how much God has forgiven me. How can a sinner withhold forgiveness from a sinner when a holy God doesn't withhold forgiveness from a sinner? If I confess my sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin. And I would submit to you that it says in Ephesians 4.32 that we forgive uh, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. I'm not even forgiving someone for their sake. I'm forgiving them for Christ's sake. And it's really for your own sake and for those whom you influence. Trials will draw you closer to God or they'll drift, cause you to drift away from God. Psalm 119 verse 10 and 11 says with my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. So, number one, doing the will of God was an attribute that Joseph kept, how he kept faithful. Number two, he nurtured his walk with God. And then lastly, we've kind of touched on it a little bit. We have a few minutes to finish this third point. Trusting the ways of God. The same God who leads us into a trial will guide us through the same trial. To trust in our God is to put my complete and full confidence in Him. It is is literally to hand over the reins of my life and allow Him to lead the way. We'll look at two reasons that we can trust God. Letter A, we can trust God tonight because God gives you guidance. 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 How did God communicate to Joseph? How did he communicate to him? Did he have a Bible? No. How did he communicate to him? He dreams, right? God communicated to Joseph through dreams. I mean, how how did he know that his brothers and his dad and his mom, that they were going to all someday bow down to him? How did he know that? It wasn't a carrier pigeon. God spoke to him in a dream. God guided Joseph. God guides us tonight. Genesis 37, 6. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. Genesis 40, verse 8. And they said unto him, We have dreamed a dream and there is no interpreter. And Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretations belong to God. Tell me them, and I pray you. Then Genesis forty-one twenty-five. It was Pharaoh's dream. It was the butler and the baker's dream. It was Joseph's dream. All three of these people dreamed dreams, but all the way through them, God was speaking to Joseph. Now, I have a Bible here tonight with me. How many books are in this book? 66 books in here. 39 and 27. God speaks to me, and God desires to speak to me through his word i have in me the holy spirit of god as a christian doesn't mean i'm better than you i'm just saying that's that's what you have if you're a christian you have god's spirit in you and god speaks to us through his word god speaks to us through circumstances in our own life god speaks to us through other brothers and sisters in christ god still speaks god still guides If we're not reading God's word every day, if we're not meditating on God's word every day, I don't think we can point a finger at God and say, God, how come you're not leading me? How come you're not guiding me? When he says, I'm ready to guide you, open up the book. Put it in you. Memorize it. Meditate on it. Study it. James 1.5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Psalm 32.8, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. Boy, I tell you what, I've been at that place so many times in my life, and I, I think in some ways I'm there right now in some areas of my life that I'm praying about. God, I don't know where to go. I'm not saying physically, I don't know what to do. And what, is, what does the psalmist say? He says, I will, I will instruct thee. I will teach thee in the way that thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine what? Mine eye. I need God's guidance. How about you? I need to know what is the will of God uh, for every day of my life. Look, every day is a gift. I have to admit to you, I've wasted so many days by just going and doing whatever I thought was best. Deliver me of that in my life, Father. Deliver me of that. I don't want to just do whatever I think tomorrow. I want to be led by your Spirit. I want to be guided by your Spirit. It's not that there's some big booming voice out of heaven that says, Ben, do this. But inside of me, I have the Spirit of God. I have the Word of God. And God wants to guide me every step of the way. God guided Joseph. I don't think Joseph has anything on on, on God, or on me, I think I can have the same guidance and so can you as a believer that Joseph had. How bad do we want it, though? How bad do we want to be guided by God? To be guided by God, we have to say no to where we want and what we want, though. No man can serve two masters. So many times I'm the master and God is just saying, Ben move out of the way. I can't guide you when you're leading the way. That's so true. Psalm 16:11 thou wilt show me the path of life. Yes, God do that in thy presence of fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. God gives you guidance and then let her be God gives you grace. I'm so thankful that we're saved by grace, but also we are strengthened and we are sustained by God's grace. Joseph clearly, his life clearly demonstrates the grace of God. Every setback Joseph had, there was a rebound of the grace of God. Would you turn to Genesis 39? We're just about done with the lesson. Kids will be joining us here in just a moment. Let's not miss what God has for us in this last few minutes. God gives us grace. Look at Genesis 39 and verse 2. And the Lord was with Joseph. Oh, don't Don't let that get past you. And he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord had made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found what? Grace. Found grace in the sight of Potiphar. And it came to pass, verse 5, when the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. How about verse 21, same chapter? But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him what? Mercy gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. He was in charge. Whatsoever they did, there he was the doer of it. How about Acts chapter 7? Acts chapter 7 verse 9 And the patriarchs that's Joseph's brothers moved with envy sold Joseph into Egypt Underline this one, but God was with Joseph, with him, and delivered him out of all his afflictions, gave him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he made him governor over Egypt in all his house. The hand of God was upon Joseph in the midst of his greatest difficulty. It kept Joseph going. Through his trials, Joseph would experience God's tokens of goodness. And by the way, everyone here tonight, if you're honest, and I believe you would be, you have many tokens of God's goodness in your life. There might be that that hurt and there might be that pain that was caused by sin. Because that's where that comes from, by the way. But there's the tokens of God's goodness in our life are innumerable. God has been so good to us. If you're going through that challenge tonight, that trial tonight, as hard as it may be, I'd like to encourage you to embrace it. Embrace it as an opportunity to call on the grace of God. It's always available, His grace. It seems that in hardships, though, we're, we're more compelled to ask for it than when we're not. God promises you and me in Romans eight twenty eight that he will work all things together for good to them that love God. He did it in Joseph's life. And he will do it in your life too. Let's take that trial. Let's take that difficulty. Let's follow these principles we see in the life of joseph and really as i said earlier if you're walking through the prison and you walk past the butler and a baker that are sad take the time to say what's wrong how can i help you to me that was a revelation in in reading through joseph's life i must have read that story i don't know how many times i never saw he stopped and said, how are you doing? How come you're sad? Because he stopped looking at himself for just a moment. Not that he was. Praise the Lord for his